Thanks for the stream, the download, hopefully hitting that subscribe button, however you're hearing this right now. Thank you for opening your ears for it. I try to put on the most entertaining wrestling show for free for you guys and do as much as I can. Put on live events for free when I can. Bring on the best guests, give you the best analysis, and do it all consistently each and every week. And I ask you to help me out where you can. Here's how you can do it for free. First of all, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, hit that subscribe button. It really helps. And go to iTunes, look up Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, leave a review, and leave a rating. If you've already done all that, then I know you're going to be shopping at some point, at any point. Go to you, your bookmarks right now. Go to notsam.com slash Amazon. Replace your current Amazon bookmark with NotSam.com slash Amazon. It's the same Amazon website. It's the same great prices, but just a little kickback is going to go to help this podcast. And why not? If you're going to enjoy the podcast, why not put your shopping to good use? Me. Let's get on with the wrestling podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Boy, oh boy, what a week it's been. Thank you all for joining me once again at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Coming off of an amazing SummerSlam week. Uh, Not weekend, week. And I say week because since I've left you last, there's been not one, but two, two podcasts posted on this feed. I hope you've listened to both of them. I loved the Bruce Pritchard interview leading up to SummerSlam last week, and the live show featuring Mark Henry and announcing what his retirement plans were, featuring Skylar Aston and whether or not Stephanie McMahon actually sent him a box of wrestling toys, featuring Katie Linendahl, Returning to the state of wrestling and featuring Dan Soder doing the most hilarious Macho Man and Andre the Giant bit you've ever heard. That audio is available on the podcast feed if you didn't hear it last week. It's fairly evergreen. So go ahead and download that after you're done with today's podcast. Video of the entire live show, by the way, from the Highline Ballroom will be posted on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSam, in short order. I've already seen the first edit of the video, and it is incredible. So you're going to want to check that out. Hey, a lot to talk about. That was like what I was doing. That's what I was putting on SummerSlam week. Uh, But let's mention what the WWE put on SummerSlam week. I mean, my God. We just got off Raw and SmackDown. Before that, it was SummerSlam. Before that, it was TakeOver. We'll talk about all the shows in the state of wrestling this week, as well as uh, what's going on with John Jones and how that's going to affect Brock Lesnar. I mean, there's a ton of stuff to talk about, a ton of different angles. You know, we'll talk about the crowd, the audience uh, this week, especially on Monday Night Raw, but a little bit on SmackDown too, and and the Brooklyn audience and some of the feedback it's been getting, uh, it being the audience. Um, and, And just a ton of stuff, the way No Mercy is shaping up, the changes to 205 Live. But... The Highline Ballroom show was not the only live show that I did over the weekend, uh, over last week, uh, leading up to SummerSlam. And by the way, if you missed the opportunity to see any of those shows live uh, this week on the show, I will also tell you when the next live podcast is coming. And it's coming in weeks, not months, weeks, very, very soon. 
So if you're and it's another one in uh, well, I'll tell you about it uh, in the bridge segment right after the interview. I will tell you when the next live podcast is. So, so we did two: the Highline Ballroom Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live show is up on the podcast feed, as I said. However, the other show that we did was the third annual Summer Sam Summer Sam Three went down leading up to SummerSlam. Uh, WWE was kind enough to highlight it on their montage of of how the WWE took over New York City. We did it live from Caroline's on Broadway uh, in Times Square in New York City. Packed out audience to see the show. Uh, and I wanted to share it with you here on the podcast. So this week, it's all about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, he did an interview and a Q&A in front of the audience. And if you missed this live show, don't get FOMO. You can listen to it here. Eventually, video will go up. And next year, just make sure you're in New York early enough to get to Summer Sam 4. I don't know who's going to be there, but it's going to be spectacular. I promise you that. We got into a lot with Seth Rollins. He talked about the curb stomp and why it went away and what what actually made Vince McMahon pull the trigger on it. He talked about his new music. He talked about whether or not Roman Reigns is going to team up with he and Ambrose, whether the Shield is going to get reunited or not, and if he wants that. Uh, we talked about how long he knew that this was the direction he was going in for SummerSlam, and we talked about something that uh, I think I talked about with Lindahl uh, on a previous State of Wrestling, maybe it was the live one, that the Shield reunion between Ambrose and Rollins to me has been one of the best laid out stories on television mainly because it's going exactly the way it's supposed to go people take that for granted but they shouldn't the way the audience cheers the way they want them to be reunited I mean to me Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are one of the most exciting things in the tag team division and it's so great to see that team get together because you look at Seth Rollins and you look at Dean Ambrose and these are guys that in my mind deserve the world but for whatever reason, what they were doing as solo performers in the moments right before SummerSlam were not really connecting, I don't think. You know, Rollins is – Seth Rollins might be my favorite wrestler. I mean, I think he's got all the potential in the world. And there's something about Dean Ambrose that makes you interested. Dean Ambrose makes an audience interested. But the characters were not, maybe it was just not enough was going on with their solo characters. And I don't blame them for that. But the tag team, the two of them being put together and the tag team titles being put on them is the smartest thing, in my mind, that WWE could have done. It's, it's completely freshened both guys up. And it's made everyone from kids to cynical 40-year-olds in the audience excited and like them. And I think that's all you can ask for. In, in an angle. So, with that said, this week I present to you Seth Rollins live from Caroline's on Broadway. I've combined the interview and the question and answer session into one segment so you can hear it all right now. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as the King Slayer, Seth Rollins, everybody.
Seth Rollins, everybody. Seth Rollins is here. Yeah, there you go. You're good. You're ready to rock All now. Right. They love you, Seth. I feel like that was that was the old version of my music, right? Well, it didn't, yeah. It, it didn't, didn't have the, the burn it down. Yeah. When, when was the first mm. time you heard the burn it down part being added? When did it? Uh, when did I use it first? Do you hear it like right before you go out or do you hear it while you're out there? No, no, no. I heard it for the first time like before the show, like whatever, two weeks, two, three weeks ago, whenever. Yeah. The first time it debuted, yeah. And were you like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, or were you like, was, I don't understand? It was like, no, I didn't understand it. It was a weird, <laughs> it was a weird thing where all of a sudden I got to Raw that day and, um, I, they're like, what? Hey, so we got to do something with your music. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's the same music I've used for the last three years. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's the problem all of a sudden? People well, kind of know it. They hear that well, drrr, yeah, and they well, start cheering. Well, then they were like, uh, well, Vince, Vince doesn't like that pause. And I'm like. It's the same. He's been hearing the same music for three years. What is he? What? What are we talking about? And so they played like five different little things, and like three of them were like sound, just like sound bites. It was just like, and then one of them actually said Kingslayer, but it was like very like seductive, almost like Kingslayer. And so the burn it down was like the best option. Uh, available and so yeah whatever do it but it actually kind of worked out well and then like last week they put like the fire in my entrance too so yeah and and the t-shirt says burn it down now exactly so it just all it all went together is this all based on like the i feel like the character is based on the 2k commercial a little bit uh well the burn it down was yeah everyone liked the commercial so much the 2k people did a really good job of putting it together they were like we got to capitalize on this let's get a new shirt out i'm like hey by all means, <laughs> get me a new shirt. Let's do it. Let's sell it. Uh, so yeah, they came out with the shirt pretty quick, and uh, it all came together pretty well. So you grew up a video game fan, right? I did. Yeah, I think we all did, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's everyone played video games growing up. It's absolutely. absolutely. So like, did you? Was it a goal to be on the cover of, of one of the WWE video games, or was it not even something that you? No, that was one of those, like, being in the ring with The Undertaker that I just never thought was a realistic possibility. Right. Yeah, I was just, I never even, you know, you're like, ooh, video game's cool. Hopefully I'm in one one day or something like that. But to be on the cover, I was like, that that, that was, like, above and beyond type situation. Did they just come to you and say, hey, we're thinking you're the dude? Yeah, they called me and they were like, hey, so, uh, you know, you've been bitching and moaning for the last (laughs) few years that they've been putting all these old brothers on the on the video game and uh, so this year they listen to you and they're going to put you on there. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About time. Yeah. And I was mostly I was obviously stoked as a lifelong video game fan and someone who just uh, mostly just for the the generation because you know you had Brock Lesnar on there, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin on there. Yeah. And John Cena, he's around enough, but then The Rock and I'm like, "Come on, man, there hadn't been anybody since Punk on the cover of a WWE video game and that wasn't any of the 2K games." Right. So I was like, "Dude, we're out there busting our ass night in night out working hard and you put, you know, no offense to Stone Cold, but come on, man, put one of our guys or put six of our guys on the cover. I don't care." So well, I was I just thought that was cool. That's the thought, right? That, like, how do you make the next Stone Cold if you're still putting Stone Cold on the video games? That, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel you on that, man. Is that something that you wish was reflected more in what you're doing in terms of your character? Like, do you wish that on Raw you were the guy who was, like, super fighting for the young guys and 
get the old guys out of here? Is um, it not necessary? No, I mean, if it, if it fits and it works and it feels like something that, you know, is natural and organic in the storytelling process, then I'm all for that. But I don't feel like we need to force it, you know. Right. Like, like oh, let's push these Hall of Famers out of here. It's our time now. Like, you know, there's there's a place for everybody, I think. It just, uh, just if it fits, it fits. If it works, right. then, then let's go with it. If not, then, well, we'll do what we're doing. How So... I, I think we're living in a time where it's it's getting rarer and rarer to have a segment that works exactly the way it's supposed to work in terms of crowd reaction. Because the crowd, either they legitimately don't like it or sometimes they know, even if they like it, they know they're supposed to, so they re- rebel or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're sometimes too smart for – we are sometimes too smart for our own good. But the last two weeks on Raw – the entire reunion between you and Dean Ambrose. Like, I've marveled watching them, mainly for you guys and also for the audience because it's like every motion that you make, when you go for the handshake, the crowd is with you going, yeah! And when you pull away from it, the crowd is like, oh! And you just don't, you just don't see that enough anymore. How good does it feel when something like that, like, you, you must feel that in the ring when it just works yeah no that's uh, that's great man it's a good point you brought up about how you know sometimes you, you never really know what you're going to get when you, you have an idea of how something's going to work out or sound when you get out there and then you know all of a sudden our fan base is so fickle i love you guys but man <laughs> make up your minds uh sometimes it just doesn't work and uh yeah the last couple of weeks and really this whole whole thing with ambrose has gone extremely yeah. well and i think that's just a testament to uh kind of he and I and the shield and the the bond we you know sort of created with the audience over the the past five six years and stuff like that that we've been doing it so um it's just cool to see that everyone's still emotionally invested in those characters and and the fact that we're now on the same side and people are excited to see where we're going moving forward when you get a reaction like that does it make you feel like yes like like because it's something right because on paper you could you could see a guy not being the happiest about being like ah this is in the world title match last year I'm in the tag team match this year but when you watch it play out, like it's obviously something that hasn't been. It's not a typical tag team title match, right? It's not. It's not. It's it's this thing that is in itself. I think one of the more highly anticipated things that's happening at SummerSlam. I would say so. Yeah. I, and I'm not concerned. I mean, keep me away from that that universal title picture right now. I, yeah. I'll stay where I'm at. I'm having fun doing what I'm doing here. And I think the fact that people are so emotionally invested in myself and Ambrose is really cool. And I think they're also, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you can, I think you guys are anticipating a pretty sweet match between us two and Cesaro and Sheamus, right? Yeah. 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 So I think overall, I mean, Cesaro and Sheamus have been built up like these two hosses, which they are. Uh, and Ambrose and I are such a, you know, well-liked team that I think it's just going to be, you know, and, and we've had the fortune, the good fortune of we've never had this match. This right. is going to be the first time ever this match has ever taken place. So I think we've got that going for us as well. Should be a pretty good time. I'm really looking forward to the match itself on is, Sunday. Do you suppose it'll be, is it one of those moments or are those moments kind of gone where you look across the ring at, Cesaro and be like, we both know that like you guys came from the same place, right? And now you're here and you've both kind of grown at the same sort of pace and stuff. Like it's kind of 
amazing, no? Yeah, well, I mean, now that you mention it, I might think about it. But, but yeah, <laughs> at, at the time, I mean, honestly, you know, I'd spent, I've spent so much time with him on the road over the yeah. past five years. Like you said, those moments have kind of come and gone. Right. But, but still, it'll be, it'll be a cool moment to share the ring with him and, and, After- and, and tear it up and, you know. Hopefully, have a great match and stuff. After like five that. years, you look at Cesaro like, "Can you believe we're both here?" And Cesaro's like, uh, "Yeah, we've we've been here." Yes. No, we look at <laughs> instead of looking at each other and say, "Like, man, can you believe we're both here?" We look at each other and say, "Man, can you believe we're still here?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're still we're doing still it. here. Goodness. So obviously, when uh, when you and and Ambrose are back together, the immediate question that people jump to is uh, Roman. Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you? Oh, we're in, we're in bizarro world here at Caroline's. Uh, do you think that? Uh, uh, do you think it would help what you guys are doing to at some point bring Roman back and redo the whole thing? Do you help? Think it would help Roman with the spot that he's in? Um, I mean, to, to, I'll just ask. I'll ask. I guess I'll ask Rollins. No, that's that's, that's interesting. I, I'd be curious to know. Really, I mean, do you guys think Roman coming back into the fold would be cool or not? All right. All right. That's good to hear. That's a good sign, yeah. Yes! 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 <laughs> All right. Yes! Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's obviously doing doing just fine for himself. He's doing pretty yeah, well. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. Whether you love him or hate him, he's doing all right. This is, I mean, he's three straight WrestleManias in the main event now. Yeah. Which is, hey, hey, say what you will about it, but that's an impressive feat. There are not too many men in the history of our industry who've been able to do that. Yeah. Um. So... I mean, who knows? You know what I mean? I think right now, I think we're where we're at, and, and we're in a good spot with me and Dean. And I think if we do tell that story, we've got a long way to get there. And uh, I, if, if it happens, I'd, I'd welcome it. You know what I'm saying? I'd welcome yeah. the possibility. But I'm really happy with the Ambrose situation right now, and I don't want to force anything. Is, is getting the Triple H match at WrestleMania, is that a high-pressure scenario just because – Triple H is the boss because Triple H doesn't wrestle so much because Triple H kind of like when we see Triple H is wrestling, we expect a certain quality of match or is it, well, if I get to be in there with Triple H, I'm in good hands. It's not. Uh, no, I think there's a more pressure involved, yeah. but I, 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 I liked it. Like I like the pressure. I feel like I perform better in high pressure situations. Some people kind of, you know, they get knocked off their feet, but I, I feel like I rise to the occasion. So I was looking forward to it. I feel like I, you know, I missed it the year before, and I was glad we were able to come back to it a year later. And obviously, it was my first match back after tearing my MCL again, so right. that was also a lot of extra pressure, just knowing if I could go out there and perform. Um, and then we're on a stacked WrestleMania card that's literally like a six-hour show. Yeah. So getting you know any sort of crowd response in that situation, there were there were a lot of uh, you know high-pressure factors going in, but definitely being in there with you know one of the greatest of all time, you. You want to kind of rise to that level and not not bring the match down. So are you are you that strategic in your planning? Like, do you look at going? Okay, this is where we're at on the card. This is how long these people are going to have been sitting in the stadium. Like, I need to figure out what exactly I need to do to make sure I get the audience to a place where. Oh I yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. every night. I mean, yeah. that's not just WrestleMania. That's every night. I think that's part of you know the artistry of pro wrestling, knowing you knowing your audience, right? Knowing where you're at on the card, what they sat through, what's before, what's after, what started the show, what's ending the show. I think that's the part. That's though those are huge parts in in putting together in a successful match. I think if you ignore that stuff you're only doing yourself uh the match and the audience a disservice so yeah, yeah. you've got to take all that into account if you don't you're, you're messing up how competitive was it when when you and roman and dean showed up because immediately the shield was immediately popular right mm-hmm. but 
it was also this thing of people picking out who's the star in the group, who's their favorite in the group. You know, it's it's not that often that you get a faction where everybody becomes stars, which is what happened with the Shield. Yeah. But is it this thing where, as much as you're trying to make sure the Shield works, you're also trying to make sure that you stand out above these other two guys that are awesome? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it was a healthy competition, though. Like, I think it was one of those things where we, it was, it helped us push each other. Because we all wanted to be single stars. We never were like, hey, let's do this thing together and be the shield. That was kind of thrust upon us. Myself, Ambrose, and Roman all separately down NXT, SCW, whatever. We were all on our own, doing our own thing, wanted to be world champion, that sort of stuff. And, and we had a, a bit of a camaraderie as far as, like, you know, our generation coming to the forefront and kind of pushing some of these other guys out of the way. But, like, once we got put together in the shield, that was, like, I mean, honestly, like a real brother-type bond as far as, like, travel together, work out together, have the same mindset. Like, we were going to use that sort of triad of force to be a bigger wedge and really shove everybody else out of the way. Right. Um, And then as it sort of, you know, we got towards the end of it, it was like, all right, well, I want to position myself to be seen this way or seen that way amongst the three of us. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think it was ever, like... There was never any jealousy. There was never any envy. It was it was a positive sort of uh, healthy environment, healthy competition to see who could kind of one up each other. Where you guys are actually bringing out the best in each other. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good thing, you know, like iron sharpens iron type thing. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And when you find out you're going to be the bad guy in the group, are you like, yes, this is something I can sink my teeth into, or are you like, I? Well, it was thrust upon us very quickly. We, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that story's been told enough, but yeah, we were not uh, very prepared for the. All right, break up. We're going this way, going that way, sort of thing. So, like, like you I didn't, didn't want to. Well, no, no, we weren't ready for it. We right. thought we had this big baby face run in us, which sure. we had just started. Like, we had just kind of done it. We had two months with Evolution, having a couple of six mans, and we were like, all right, here we go. This is the idea we have to push ourselves in that direction. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need three, three single stars, and we need them right now. And I was like, well, you know, if it's going to be anybody, uh, you know, better time, no better time than when we were on top of the world. So yeah. uh, it worked really well, and um, – I was hesitant at first because I didn't really see it that way uh, with myself as as the bad guy of the group. But um, once it, it kind of was laid out and the plan sort of, you know, the ball started rolling in my head, I was like, okay, this is definitely something I can slide into. And it worked out quite well. So uh, after the after the injury that kept you out, the, the first leg injury where you were out for eight months or whatever it was um, – how long Come was on, it? it was not eight months. How long was it? Come on, it was like, it was like five and a half, six Okay, months. five and a half. Well, you know, I mean, it just, obviously I missed you. <laughs> it just seemed like it was longer than it was. Fair enough. Um, did you find it difficult to maintain being a bad guy after that, for, uh, for lack of a better term? Yeah, it was a little confusing at first. I guess, I, you know, when it was happening, I was like, it, it, it only made sense, I thought, for me to come back a- as a baby face. I right. thought. Personally, I thought the, all the makings of, uh, uh, you know, of a, a hot babyface comeback were right there. You know, you talk about the Triple H with the quad tear and the sure. return of Madison Square Garden. I think everyone had visions of that in their head. Yeah. And then that just never came to fruition. It just never happened. And so it was a little bit of like a little bit of a letdown. And then I had to kind of like slide back into a role that I don't think. If I remember correctly, most of the fans were not really ready for me to be a bad guy at that point. They I were, mean, they, I was at the pay-per-view. Yeah, they were ready, you ready to cheer. Yeah, when you pedigreed uh, Roman yeah. as the surprise return, and it was like, 
even though you just uh, uh, hit like the biggest good guy in the company, we were still mm. all like, "Yeah, the good guy's back." Yeah, like, yeah. It, was, it didn't register with anybody. Yeah, it was a little strange at first. Uh, you know, looking back on it now, in in retrospect, I think it was the story arc, the character arc that yeah. we kind of that I've kind of gone through. Even though it's been slow, has been very good and well told and interesting. And I think it's gonna. On the back end, I think when we look back on all of it, it'll be better this way. But but yeah. it was still it was still strange for sure. Yeah, I guess that's a thing that that f- we fans sometimes forget because you know we live in this sort of moment to moment world with short attention spans. That like if you do look back, the Seth Rollins story does make more sense with you coming back as a bad guy because you had to go through this thing that kind of turned you into good guy and then had to convince the fans that you were a good guy and have to convince Dean. Like, if you just come back as a good guy. Yeah, and I mean, the the, the, the uh, promo that I was able to cut the night after the return was a little bit, you know, I mean, it, 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 there was some truth to that because I had spent the better part of a couple of years being the most reviled, you know, character in the company, but I was still one of the hardest working, if not the hardest working dude in the company. And, like, it took me getting my knee knocked out for people to finally be like, oh, wait, we actually kind of like this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, you could have just liked me the whole time, jerks. Um, so part of that was was legitimate, you know, like, hey. Yeah, I don't want your cheers now. Yeah, no, no, I don't want them now. Screw yeah. you guys. So uh, <laughs> part of that kind of was a little bit of truth, but it was nice. It was good to get that off my chest. And then, you know, we were able to move forward after that. Did you watch the documentary they did, the 24 thing that they did for the network on your injury? On me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched it. Because that, I felt like, that came out right after your return. And, like, I watched that, and I was like, that dude's my favorite wrestler now. Yeah. And it was kind of, I think that that did, like, while, it, again, I mean, in hindsight, now you can just watch it and be like, it's this great, it's one of the better 24s, I think, that they've done. But you can watch it now, and it's this great story. But I think that added to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you being a bad guy, that all the fans were directed to this documentary, and it's like, we all felt for you, and we all watched your journey and saw your passion, and we were like, I can get behind that. And you were like, don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, it, was, it was a little confusing, and it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's weird where we blur the line between reality right. and, and fantasy. So, like, it, it's a very strange kind of time we're living in where all of us as wrestling fans are so educated now that it's like, you're telling us one thing, but then you're telling us another thing. What's real and what's not, and I don't know what to believe. And my heart hurts. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it, us it's, wrestling fans. We get very confused with emotions. Uh, hey, all we of don't us, do man. Well. I understand. Sometimes we don't even know what story we're telling half the time. So it's, um, it's, but it's, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's out there. And like you said, I thought they did a really good job of putting that story together and, and telling it honestly from my perspective. So I was happy with it. What do you feel like is the biggest transition you've made i don't know if it's mentally i don't know if it's as a person to put you in the place that you're in because i I think at this point in your career you're solidified as one of when a person asks me who are the top wrestlers now if they don't watch who are the top guys now inevitably your name comes up and i think anybody would would put your name on that list but you have to yeah yeah cheer for that yeah but you have to go from this guy who's in a tag team, a popular tag team in Ring of Honor, right? Who then has to convince people he can be the Ring of Honor champion as a singles guy. Who then has to convince WWE's worth developmental. Who then has to convince the blah 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 the Shield, and then like it's it's a long road to get to to the spot that you're in. And I don't think you know when people get to those spots, they necessarily know exactly what it is until they get there. Um, but you've done really well in the role. So that's the the question is like, how have you 
as a person or what's what's been the most surprising thing that's that's allowed you to excel in that position well i think it's just avoiding complacency i think sometimes when you get to you know you mentioned all those um kind of check marks that yeah. you set for yourself in a career and and then once you get to the top to and i'm not to the top top you know i for me i still haven't main evented main evented at wrestlemania so right for me it's always about setting the next goal and moving forward and always kind of having a chip on your shoulder. So, like, if I see someone like Roman main event three WrestleManias in a row, I'm like, okay, well, that's what I want to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? I want to be – I want to have a Hall of Fame career. I want to have matches at WrestleMania like Shawn Michaels. I want to win, you know, oh, now we've got a universal title. Well, I haven't won that yet, you know. Right. Now we've got these Raw Tag Team titles. Well, I haven't won those yet. So I think it's just about – for me, mentally not becoming complacent no matter what level you're at. Always trying to push yourself to the next thing. And, and if there's not a next thing that's apparent to you, you got to make one up. You gotta, right. you got to find one. Right. Otherwise, you're just, you're just kind of idling, and, and that's no good for anybody because then you're kind of creatively stifled. And I think as an audience, you guys can sort of feel that. And I, that was sort of my problem with what the WWE was going through like before the Shield came up. There were so many guys who were at the top who were just kind of – idling and there was no passion in the work and there was a couple of guys i feel like punk and brian were two of them that were really starting to push the envelope yeah but there weren't but beyond that there weren't guys who had that honest passion and fire for what we do and to constantly push the envelope and get better and so like that's always been my mantra is to just just find something find a goal and you know Push, push for that as hard as you can. So, so the mentality is, okay, if I've won every title there is, if I've main evented every show that there is, now the goal is to just be in the conversation as the guy who has the best matches of all time. Yeah, and to, you know, Ric Flair still has a legacy to catch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, right. So you don't you look know. at the and, – and which is great because I, I – my gut tells me – right, because when you're a fan of something, it's kind of removed. You know what I mean? It's over here like you're just an admirer of it. And it sometimes feels to me like there are so many guys in WWE now that grew up fans the same time that I did. We're all the same age yep. that it's almost like they don't look at the Ric Flair thing as even attainable because that's the thing they watched when they were a kid. Not, OK, yeah, I watched that when I was a kid, but I'm in this thing now yeah, and I'm a, here to take it from. It's a different mindset. I th and it's difficult because it, it seems even for me light years away, you know right. what I'm saying? But it's like I said, you've got to have it. Even if I never reach it, even if I can't climb Mount Everest, I'm going to die trying. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter. For me, whether it's Triple H, you know, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, even someone like John Cena who's still around and he's still the measuring stick as far as, like, you know, selling out an arena. Absolutely. Uh, or a Brock Lesnar, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, the guy that we depend on for things that I wish they depended on me for. Right. That's where I want to be. I, I want to be in those spots. I don't want to be in my spot, even though my spot's great. Right. I can't sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, this is – good enough how do you keep yourself from getting from overly frustrated by it right because i think that there are people with that mentality punk might be one of them you know that 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 have that feeling and they're like i know i can do it now i know i can do it now and then when you can't do it now just because it's not your spot like you yeah. have to wait until there's the time for you to take advantage yeah. of an opportunity they end up you know not all right well i don't want to do it anymore it's too frustrating i don't i can't i can't just keep you know what? I don't have a good answer to that because I think everybody's mind works differently. You have a breaking point. You know, right. everyone's got a breaking point where it's the frustration builds, 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 and then it just kind of explodes. And that's not just for my job. That's kind of for anybody's job yeah. out there, right? If you got a boss, if you got something you don't like or a position you don't like, you can only eat 
so much crap. You and, know and, what I'm saying? And every uh, every dream job, once you get it, if you stay in it, at some point becomes a job. Yeah, it's still like, work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like I think the frustration is a good thing. I, it's sort of what like keeps you thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side of right. things. Like, there's, oh, there's always going to be something better. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, but I think that frustration is important. It's just how you manage it. I think if you let it stress you out too much, it can really affect you, you know, personally, emotionally. It can age you, all this sort of stuff. But I think if you use it as fuel to the fire, then you're only going to be able to make the best out of it. Right. And I think you just got to keep pushing in that direction however you can. And then you use that fire to burn it down. Ah, right. There we go. Right. That's nice. That's, nice. That's, that's what it's all about at the Full end. Full circle day. there. <laughs> um, is there is there an immediate something that you're after, or is it just this sort of day to day doing better, doing better, doing better? Doing nah, better? immediately after the Raw Tag Team Championships. That's it. The Sunday at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, no, I, I think I think um, just creating interesting stories for yeah. people to attach themselves to there was a period after wrestlemania where i was just kind of drifting because i wasn't you know i was starting this thing with uh, samoa joe and then braun got hurt and we had to go to the five way then i was starting this thing with bray wyatt and then plans got shuffled for SummerSlam. so i you know there was it, i wasn't really able to sink my teeth into anything creatively and so uh for me that's when i do my best work when i feel super invested in something emotionally yeah. and i can really show that on television and uh the stuff with dean over the last month has really been that out creative outlet for me and i think it's going to make for me the live events a lot more fun and then you know just making exciting and interesting television moving forward well that's that's a question that i don't know how much you want to pull the curtain back but um how long has this been the idea for you at SummerSlam? because I mean, they technically just made the match on Monday, but it was fairly obvious that this is what we were going towards. Is this something that, like, you say SummerSlam plans get shuffled. Is it a month ago? They're like, well, this is where we're going. Is it two weeks ago when they kind of start putting it into high gear? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you never know till you know. Right. Uh, until you go out there on TV and it's done or you see the match made. But uh, <laughs> like, I, I believe what the plan was for me and Bray Wyatt to go – uh, a few pay-per-views mm -hmm. um, and then whatever happened happened something changed they, they shuffled the deck and they ended up having to reposition which actually worked out much better for me in my personal opinion but yeah I think it's been maybe like maybe like a month or so that I've kind of known we were heading in this direction yeah. so had a, a small amount of uh, preparation time but enough to like ooh I'm excited about this here we go. I can help out. Yeah, and as I mean, and as we talked about, obviously this is. I think it's the right direction. It's working. For you. It really it seems is to be working. And I and and it was fun because I was at the Madison Square Garden show where AJ won the United States Championship, yep. and there was this this oh, moment yeah, yeah, yeah. where like everybody moment. was chanting "Shield, Shield," and you got on the mic and you were like, "Look, Dean's not." Here yeah, right yeah. now, he but was, we hear you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I've forgotten about that. Good point. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's something that's uh -huh. been been in the. In the air for some time. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone, dude, honestly, the most asked question I get all the time, when is the Shield getting back together? So it's been in the air since it stopped. Right. <laughs> you know There's not been a day or a Q&A or anything that I've had where somebody hasn't brought it up. Yeah, I mean, that's really the best part about getting back together with Ambrose is, like, the, they won't ask me anymore when we're getting back together. <laughs> that's like, true. Here you go. Answer. We're here. Well, uh, we, should, uh, we should take a break because I want to give the audience a chance to ask you some questions. Right on. You know, they're all, they're all here to see you. But let's start the uh, Q&A. The amazing and talented and wonderful Kathy Kelly is out in the audience uh, with a microphone. And Kathy, who do we have? We have uh, 
Michelle from Long Island. Michelle. Seth, if you could wrestle anybody on the current roster or a SmackDown NXT, who would it be and why? Probably AJ. Uh, yeah. You know, we've, uh, we've tangoed on the video game realm, and I, I crushed him um, <laughs> pretty handily. But uh, we haven't had a singles match in over a decade. So I think wow. it would be very curious to see um, how we match up now that we're a little more mature and have uh, wrestled a few more places than we had way back then. When you see a guy like AJ wrestling at the level that he's wrestling at now, does that like, give you this hope that, like, or, or this thought that the, like, the best is yet to come? Because to me, and I've been following AJ forever, obviously, like, he's the best he's ever been yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know? and no, that gives me that's nice, you know, because I'm yeah. 31 now and he's shoot 38 or something like mm-hmm. that, and like he's putting out his best matches now. And I remember looking when I was in my mid 20s watching AJ being like, "Wow, how can I <laughs> yeah. do that?" You know, yeah. so um, the fact that he's you know putting his best work together, honestly, in the last what two, three, four, five years probably, yeah. including the New Japan stuff, definitely. Like, Dude, it's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, if I can stay healthy, knock on wood or granite or whatever that is, um, yeah, I'd love to be able to, you know, yeah, to I guess get to I, that level at uh, some point. In terms of looking into the future, you plan on wrestling for a long, long, long time. Yeah, I yeah. would say so, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you said either you don't really care for it or you bleed it. Well, I'm, I'm right. most certainly that second time. That's what I Who do we have over there, Kathy? Uh, Ryan from Long Island. Hey, Seth, I was wondering, what was it like working with Sting, a guy probably you grew up watching? Honestly, even dating back to when he made his debut at Survivor Series, Ziggler and I were in the ring for that, and we were just lay- we just got to lay there. I lay there for like five minutes before he just put Ziggler on top of me. It was uh, one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard. I remember laying there on the mat just getting goosebumps, and I'd already been out there wrestling for like you know 45 minutes or whatever. And then the next year when they were like, hey, you're going to wrestle Sting, I was like, what? Because <laughs> that, you know, we started off by talking about the video game cover. Sure. That is one of those things where you never in a million years thought, A, you would wrestle Sting, B, for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, because he had not even ever had a match in WWE. So right. I was like... Uh, you know, until the Triple H WrestleMania one, so I was like just insane. Like step, stepping into the ring, looking across, there's Sting. Well, I mean, at that, I was laying in the ring because I had just, <laughs> I had just lost to Cena. But uh, I was laying in the ring and just seeing, you know, knowing that you were about to get in there with, uh, you know, that level of Hall of Famer, that level of legend was uh, pretty surreal for me. And he's an awesome guy, just a great human being all around. One of those people where, you know, you. Think about your heroes, and you meet him in life, in real yeah. life, and he was everything and more than I expected. Did you get to keep the Seth Rollins head, the statue? Remember the statue that got crushed in, around the uh, Sting time? No, I think the archives have the head yeah. somewhere, the head and the body or portions of whatever. I would try to get the head if I were you. I, I'd just be a nice what, keepsake. What would I do with my own head? Well, that's your, that's your momentum. Right, this is... Yeah, imagine waking up in the middle of the night and seeing that staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah. With my stupid grin on there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the stuff nightmares are made of, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Who's next, Kathy? I've actually seen bits and pieces of the statue in the archives. Yeah, so. it's really is, is, it, is it truly the stuff nightmares are made of? Oh, yes. Okay. Definitely. Oh, <laughs> come on, Kathy. Kathy. <laughs> You're supposed to put me over. I Jeez. know. <laughs> uh, I'm here with Fola from Queens. One of my earliest memories was watching Ultimate Warrior beat Hogan. And I know you have been U.S. title and world title holder. How did you feel about that? And did you think it's something that shouldn't happen or should happen more? Well, since it was me, (laughs) I thought it was awesome. (laughs) Um, No, I I mean, it was another thing that was, um, you know, they came to me with the idea of it. And I I, I remember thinking working with Cena because he was the U.S. champ at the time and I was um, the world heavyweight champ. I remember thinking, oh, what a waste. Like, (laughs) you know, you got two pretty high. Because Cena had built the title up pretty well, like doing the U.S. Open challenges and having great matches on Raw. And I was like, oh, well, why can't we just... You could have two great title matches on a show instead of one. Um, but at the end of the day, it only worked to, like, inflate the Seth Rollins ego in real life a little bit as well. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so it, it, was, it worked from a character standpoint as far as just making me look like the biggest jerk in the entire world and building a statue with me holding two championships <laughs> and, you know, putting it in the, the lobby at the headquarters next to Andre and Warrior and all that. So I'm normally opposed to the idea because I, I like when the championships are separate. I think it allows for more guys to get uh, airtime, you know, more rivalries to take place, different avenues with the stories and stuff like that. But but it was a short-lived double title reign, and I thought that it served its purpose fairly well. That reminded me of, of the white outfit that you wore, which I think has gone down. People loved it. Yeah. They yeah. made a whole bunch of toys about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But we all, we all hear about <laughs> Do you like the name CrossFit Jesus? As an atheist, I absolutely love it. I, mean, <laughs> I think it's wonderful. <laughs> Blasphemy is one of my, my favorite forms of comedy. <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> Wearing an all-white outfit. Weird stuff happens in the ring all the time. Is that a risk? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't concerned with it. Uh, yeah. I, was, you know, I wasn't like, oh, what am I going to do? Poop my pants. <laughs> no, I, uh, it was just cool. I, I always wore all black, and I was like, oh, let's just switch it up for yeah. SummerSlam and see if it's cool. It was a big match, big moment, and yeah. I wanted to have a, a cool outfit to represent that. You got a cool outfit for this year? I may or may not have a cool outfit for this year. Oh, fantastic. Guess you'll have to watch and find out. WWE yeah. Network. Back here with Matthew from New Haven. What was your favorite match watching as a kid? All right, you go first. Huh. <laughs> My favorite match as a kid. You know, I mean. What is a kid? Like, how old's a kid? How old are you, for example? He's 11? 11 he All right, so 11 years old. I mean, you like weird stuff. When I was 11, it was 1994. And I've got to tell you, like, in hindsight, I probably should have just stopped at the cage match at SummerSlam 94. <laughs> but I was a big Undertaker versus Undertaker fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, it, when I was 11, like, it really worked for me. Okay. I think maybe around 11, uh, that would have been... Sean and Brett from uh, WrestleMania 12. Yeah. It was about that time. Or maybe Sean and Razor, the ladder match, because as a kid, that was the first time I'd seen a ladder match, and I remember just being like, oh, what is happening? You know, it was a weird one I loved, and because I was such a Hogan mark, was um, 
the WrestleMania nine finish that everybody hated Dude, where Brett, I, Brett got screwed out of the title and Hogan just came in and was like, boot, leg drop, I'm the man. And you're like, yeah, Hogan. Yeah. I was so young and dumb. I was like, yes, Hulk Hogan is way better than Bret Hart. This is awesome. Dude, I was nine at WrestleMania nine. Yeah. And like for years, I was like, that's the best WrestleMania of all yes. time. Like, yes, me too. One of the matches that like as a kid, that turned me into more of a, a higher class fan <laughs> was uh, I, I, the Iron Man match between Sean and Brett yeah. at WrestleMania 12. Yep. Like as a 12 year old, in my head, Commissioner Roddy Piper announces this match, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not watching a wrestling match for an hour. That's way too long. <laughs> it's gonna be so boring. And like, I couldn't believe as a 12 year old that like I was locked in for the entire 60 minutes, and like that one changed 60 plus. Yeah, yeah, plus yeah. overtime. Yeah, yeah, that one changed. A lot for me. Yeah, same, same, same for me. Uh, Brett Nolan from WrestleMania ten yeah. as well, a little bit too. But yeah, those were some of the times. That's where I started to kind of transition a little bit as well to start to appreciate the artistic side. And just inevitably, you start realizing there's stuff outside of WWE, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it really expands everything. Over here with Selena from Brooklyn. Um, right. First, I just want to tell you, you're awesome, and I swear I never booed you, even during your heel turn. Oh um, well, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's the Brooklyn side. Um, no, I have. I want to know how did you feel when they told you you couldn't do your curb stomp anymore? Uh, I was Ooh. very sad. I was yeah. very sad. I, I still, I still am very sad about it. Uh, but I, it, 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 it'll never come back. So. That's that's one of the other questions. I get I get a few questions. I get I get the shield question. That's slightly being answered as we speak. Mm-hmm. I get the hair question. That's never coming back. Um, Not even at the little at the bottom. No, it was no, just no. Almost it was, done it growing was bad. Out. It was bad. Look, I'm trying to have a healthy head of hair while I still have hair left. So, Smart. Yeah. No more blonde. And the curb stomp will not. It's it's done, guys. I can't. So, I, it's not my fault. Trust me. It's not like I was like, oh yes, I want a new finisher. No. Is it? They, be- they snatched it from me. They took it from me. So. Is it because the move is inherently dangerous, or visually it just isn't what they want? No. It was so. This is what happened. Okay. After WrestleMania, I had won the title. I flew across the country to do the Today Show. Right. For the Today Show, they put together a package of all of Seth Rollins' most awesome maneuvers. At the time, my finish was the curb stomp. So Vince McMahon is sitting, you know, wherever Vince McMahon sits on, on a Monday morning. And he's seeing, he's seeing me on the Today Show, and I look great in the suit. And I'm representing the company. I look great in the suit. And I'm wearing the title. And... Uh, and then he sees this package with me stomping another man's head into the ground and it being called a curb stomp on national television. And he thought to himself, well, that is not a good representation <laughs> of what I want my top guy right. to do. So he just had a meeting with some of you know his people and they decided, well, we don't need it. We can figure out another finish for you and the rest is history. And I get it. I hate it. I think it's silly. But – it is what it is, and it's not my company. So I'm doing the best I can with it. And in all fairness, I mean, it really is not as friendly as the leg drop. No, not you know, it's not a train <laughs> say your prayers, eat your vitamins finisher. No, no, not so, at all. So, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I get it from a marketing standpoint. Totally understand it. I hate it because it was such a great finish, and it was easy and could do it to everybody. But, um, hey, so is my cool knee now. So let's, yeah. just, let's start liking that. The knee is cool. V-trigger. That's not what we're calling it, but that's what you can call it. <laughs> I see you, Kathy. Yes, we are here with Eleni from Perth, Australia. Wow. Hell of a shirt you got there, kid. Thank you. Um, Do you prefer Roman or Dean as your tag team partner? Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing is that I I haven't really teamed with Dean enough to know. 
Huh. We teamed a little bit at the end of, uh, I mean, as just a singles tag team, um, you know, like just two of us, uh, at the end of the Shield run, but there wasn't much to that. Roman and I had a lengthy run right. as tag team champions. Um, so I can't really answer that. Can I say both? Because I like the six mans myself. Is that if that counts? That's that's all right. It's that's a little a, politically correct. You make you you justify. I don't. Yeah, I, I can't. I, t- I mean, ask me in three or four months or something. You know. <laughs> I uh, uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, I know that you're not. You know, your perspective is of a young guy. But one of the criticisms that you hear the older guys make is about how competitive the locker room was. And I think Vince McMahon even said it on the Stone Cold podcast a couple a year or two ago, whatever it was. That like there was a there was a, an inherent competition in the locker room. Uh, in during the Attitude Era, and it kind of sounds like what you, you were describing with the Shield, but some of the older guys say that they don't see that with the younger guys. Do you think that that's a fair, not necessarily you, but do you think that that's a fair general criticism of what the locker room is like? Um, yeah, I think we are all a little more friendly. I think it's less cutthroat than it used to be, but I think that's just due to um, the fact that there's not a whole lot of other places to work nowadays. Uh, and when I say work, you can go out and you can make a couple of bucks here and there and do well. And you've got guys like the Young Bucks and Kenny and Cody who are doing all right. Um, but those spots outside of WWE to make a real nice living are very few and far between. Whereas back in the day, right. you had WCW. You had a place you could go and make a lot of money if you ruffled some feathers in the locker room. Right. So guys weren't having... Uh, long, like they just weren't. The tenure wasn't seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years in locker rooms. It was shorter. They would bounce back and forth. Uh, they would kind of, you know, revitalize their career going to WCW or up their worth or whatever. And there just isn't that many options. So I think the fact that we see each other all the time, right. every single day, we're together for years and years and years and years. It's just a different dynamic. So you have to find ways to be competitive without being a jerk to the guys around you. So right. it's just a different animal. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That like you, you can't. You can't piss people off like you could before because you're going to be stuck with them. Yeah, and if, and if you're not stuck with them, you're going to be struggling to find work. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. If you want to, if you want to have an, you know a nice little nest egg and retire and, and have a good life, you have to kind of bite the bullet sometimes. So that chip on your shoulder has to be measured. Yes. Yeah. You have to be calculated with right. that chip on your shoulder, Makes which sense. is an art form and unto itself. Yeah, that's another pro wrestling art form that a lot of the fans yes. don't get to see. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see you over there, Kathy. I'm going to let this man introduce Look himself. At- Hi, I'm Baby Seth from Harlem. <laughs> Baby Seth. Baby, Baby Seth. Seth. I'm going to give you 10% of my earnings for all this. Don't worry. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, I have two things. You sort of touched on this already. By uh, the way, this gentleman for the radio listeners at home, is, uh, he's, got, <laughs> he's got the... Uh, well, I believe that those are not... Those are, those are replicas. Those I don't want to say toy. This is a kid's time. belt. This oh. is a toy. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and uh, so we've, it's me like a charm. we've got some kids' titles. We've got a Seth Rollins shirt, a Seth Rollins wristband, and you've, you've styled your hair and facial hair. We happen to have good genetics. That's yeah. all. Yeah. 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 All right. Baby Seth. <laughs> Baby Seth. Right. So we sort of touched on this. Um, is there anyone outside of WWE, not including NXT, that's on your radar that you really want to work with in WWE? You have uh, like three or four? Oh, man. Somebody just say ICP? Yeah, bring in ICP. That is get a, a, no, I'd say uh, Shaggy Tudo yeah, yeah, from the Insane Clown Posse. J, maybe. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. There's so many guys out there that I, you know, I haven't worked with Kenny in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, going back to uh, when we were both in Ring of Honor at the same time. Same sort of thing with him as with AJ's where, 
you know, I'd like to see where we're at now. You know, someone like Okada, Suzuki, for talking about New Japan guys, just 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 to test myself, sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like I like to know, like I, I like to think I'm all right at what I do, and uh, they're very good at what they do. And I'd like to see if you know what what it would happen if we put us together, kind of fantasy warfare style. Do you have any thoughts about this uh, new sort of Ring of Honor? crop that seems to be popping up in NXT so you've got you know Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly yep. there's rumors that, uh, that about Adam Cole whether he's coming or not who knows yep. but like do you uh, do you have any because at, at one point you know that was your class that you, was you, me those yeah. were my guys uh, well I mean we were the generation after but Kyle, right. dude, I've watched Kyle uh, from his infancy you know to train with Davey Richards uh, out of the Midwest in St. Louis so we were on all the same indie shows he was just a few years behind me and uh, he was one of those guys who at first I was like man I see nothing in this kid and uh, I'm very happy to see that he's completely <laughs> proven me wrong so uh, stoked to see Kyle in NXT I think he's going to be awesome there and Adam Cole as well you know both kids with a ton of potential and uh, I'm looking forward to see if Adam is in fact signed I don't know yeah. um, if he if he is then I'm, I'm hoping the best for him because he's a guy who's been on the radar for a long time and has a lot of potential yeah yeah I believe Baby Seth had one more question. Oh, okay. Do you mind if I get a fist bump? Oh, man, you're so far away. <laughs> yeah, c- come up here, Baby Seth. Yeah. Baby Seth. What a moment. Come up here, Baby Seth. Only at summer soon. All right, stop milking. Oh, he took his fist down. No, Baby Seth. It's all about yeah! the games, man. It's all about the games. Yeah. yeah! Baby Seth. It's all about the milk. What a moment, huh? What a moment. He's, he slipped a little on the fist bump, right? <laughs> it's okay. It's it's all right. Right. He got excited. It's he got right. excited. It's all right. I get it. I understand it. Emotions running high. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a fever pitch here at Somerset. <laughs> uh, I, I also have Jason over here. Jason. Are you excited for a future match with the Broken Hardys? And can you sign my money in the bank, please? Uh, okay, yes. That, by the way, it doesn't count. A Q&A question is not, can I have an autograph? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to say, but, um, yeah, are you, would you want to do some stuff with the Hardys? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, 100%. You I know? guess, would they be in that sting category for they, you? Well, um, I, I mean... Yeah, I mean, a legendary status. Obviously, future Hall of Famers, Jeff and Matt. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, they had been gone for so long that you almost forgot about them as a possibility to right. like, come back and, and be in the fold. So now with uh, the Tag Team Championships sort of on the horizon, possibly, I definitely would, would welcome a chance. I think, you know, two-thirds of the Shield versus the Hardy Boys, broken broken or not broken, would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be sick, man. Jeff is actually a huge part of the, like, I mean, when I was... 14 or whatever, I had the tight little spandex shirts and big baggy pants that I would wear to school all the time. So yeah. they're, they're, they were majorly influential on me wanting to become a pro wrestler. That's awesome. You were wearing like wetsuit shirts to school? I looked ridiculous. <laughs> I, had, I had giant parachute pants in orange in silver and in purple. Were they UFOs? The, I don't know what that means. That's a brand. That was a big parachute raver pants. I, I maybe. Yeah. They might have been. I don't remember. That was I was a waste long ago. By the way, that's again, that's the people that bleed wrestling instead of thinking it's stupid. Like no. our view of what's cool has been so skewed <laughs> and, and like twisted that like we saw it on Raw and we're like, what? Of course. He's the coolest dude ever. Yeah. If I look like that, then I'll also uh, get all the yeah, chicks. I never understand why I couldn't get a girlfriend <laughs> yeah. until I was out of high school. Absolutely. <laughs> Who do we got over there, Kathy? Lester from the Bronx. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what Lester. Up? 
Uh, my question is, do you ever see the Seth Rollins character getting a manager? A manager? Yeah, manager. Nah, Female or male? I can speak for myself. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who could use a manager. Uh, I, I've always done a fair job of, of spitting game on the microphone. So, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I'm, I think I'm set on that one, Lester. Thank you, though, if that was an application. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to... Do you take pride in that, in the, in the, uh, in the idea that, like... That's something that you're good at, that I have a uh, microphone he, skill set? Yeah, because I sucked at it for a really long time. Uh-huh. So it was, it was cool when um, I was given the opportunity to go out in front of a crowd and actually you know, cut longer promos. Um, that was really scary for me. When I, but that was maybe one of the scariest things breaking out from the Shield because I knew to be a top guy, for the most part, you have to be able to, to cut that 10-minute opening promo on Raw. And sometimes that's terrifying. So, uh, And it was just something that I hadn't had practice on, not in NXT, not in Ring of Honor, not anywhere. So to be like just thrust into it, like, okay, here you go. Right. You don't have an identity yet. You don't know how to talk on a microphone. Go out there and do it. It was very nerve-wracking. And then you've got writers here, writers there, Vince McMahon here, Triple A. Everyone's got their input, so it's like... Ah, 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 you got to just figure it out on the fly. But the fact that they were able to give me that confidence and I was able to learn, and I do all right at it now. So I was pretty, pretty excited that, uh, that I was able to do that. And, yes, I, I take a fair amount of pride in it. Good. Do you think that, do you think that uh, managers should make some kind of a, a comeback, or do you think that that era is kind of gone for a reason? No, no, no. I, don't, I, I think, dude, uh, Titus Worldwide. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I, I think it's cool, man. I think that there's a place for it. Why not? You know, yeah. I thought I thought Lana was great for Rusev. I think obviously Heyman's great for Lesnar. You can't give him a microphone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he will cost you thousands of dollars in, in fines from the FCC. So um, yeah, I think that there's definitely a place for it, and there's tons of guys out there who. You know, it's just not for them. It's not. It's not easy to to do that. So, yeah. um, I think that if there are people out there who have that skill, they should be utilized in that manner. Yeah, I did interview uh, Brock Lesnar without Paul Heyman once. Yeah, it didn't go well for you. Well, you remember the old catchphrase, "Get the f out." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If Brock really knew what the f stood for. It wasn't as friendly as. Fair enough. Yeah. Who do we got, Kathy? Got Erica. Thanks for the email, Sam. Um, <laughs> Steph, she was um, at the live show last night complaining that I hadn't that's emailed right. her a confirmation about today, and I was trying to explain to her I was putting together a live show last <laughs> night. I was a little busy. It sounds like you didn't get to her then. Well, I got to her. He okay, did. He did. He did. Okay, cool. right. um, Steph, if you can pick a female tag partner to actually replace Roman in the Shields <laughs> and also win the tag titles, what woman superstar would you pick? Why am I? Why am I replacing Roman? Because he's Roman Reigns. Oh, all right. Um, well, she's in the back, you know. Yeah. The boss back there would make a hell of a tag team partner. I think we'd be all right. So yeah, I'll go with her for now because she's here. <laughs> you don't want her to beat you up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who um, do we got over there? Alex from Brooklyn. Okay. First, I got to say I'm a huge freaking fan of yours. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate freaking that. Freaking awesome. Who, which one of us? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, which SR are you referring to? Both of you, to? matter of fact. Oh. Both of you. I just stole that one. I like Sarah Rollins more better. <laughs> ah. <laughs> thank you, sir. My question is, um, which opponent from the Attitude Era will you face if you had a chance to do it? Uh, okay. 
I mean, does Sean count from the Attitude Era? Sure. DX, yeah. Yeah, Sean counts. So, Sean. Sean's been my dream opponent forever and ever and ever, and he's in, like, the best shape of his life right now. So if I can drag him out of retirement, I'd love... I love to have one match with Shawn Michaels. Shawn kind of like his. I think his philosophy or what he's he said about why he hasn't returned is similar to what you were saying about it. That like you know you have these goals and 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 you were talking about you know long form story arcs and everything. And I think that's why Shawn hasn't come back no. because he said number one, his he has this beautiful story arc yep. that went from the Rockers until he was retired. Yep. And also, like we were saying, that the last thing that you would want to do is have that comp- be that guy who has the best matches ever. Yep. Which is Shawn Michaels. That's like, Shawn there's Michaels, no yeah. higher pinnacle to get. Yeah, I mean, I don't foresee him ever coming out of retirement. Um, I don't think, like you said, he's got any reason to. His his career has a fantastic story arc from start to finish. He's got nothing to prove ever on any level. Um, but I think that's probably the reason that I want to have the match. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, he'd be the guy for sure. Who do we uh... have? Kevin over here. Hi, I'm Kevin. Um, when you're on the road, uh, on the hotel rooms, uh, airplanes, whatever, uh, what kind of stuff do you like to watch on TV? To well, there's wind really down? not that much time, to be honest with you, for TV. But um, obviously, Game of Thrones is uh, is, a, is, a, is a favorite right now, <clears throat> with a couple episodes left in the season. Um, looking forward to seeing how this one rounds out. Other than that, man, I'm a Netflix like. I just I get in bed and I just put the laptop on my chest and I put something on Netflix and I go to sleep. Like I watched Glow uh, recently, which I did. You like Glow? <clears throat> oh, I thought it was great. It was right. I thought it was really well done. Uh, loved it. Watched Glow. Otherwise, I'll watch like Bob Ross and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's incredible. And you know, speaking of Bob Ross, I think that. Uh, Seth Rollins, along with Dean Ambrose, are going to paint us an amazing picture in the ring <laughs> at SummerSlam. That's why I'm the last professional we'll have, we'll broadcaster. Little, Nobody can beat me a in A little segue. happy match. Yeah, it's a little happy a match. Happy match. So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank all of you guys for coming out here uh, this afternoon and being a part of this. No, thank you guys. Here is Sam Roberts. So great. Having Seth Rollins on, I mean, and, and and watching what's going on with his career right now, he is, to me, he's the present and the future of WWE. This is a guy who I think is going to continue to get better and better and really lead to be one of the guys leading WWE to where it's going. I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited to see what, what Seth Rollins has going on. Uh, I'm also very excited to do more live shows. I love getting in front of an audience, getting in front of you guys. You know, I, I like meeting you guys. I like, I like hearing that you're listening every week. I like, I like seeing your faces as you get to participate in shows and get, to, and get to watch this stuff happen live. So the next live show I'm doing is going to go down uh, the weekend of September 8th. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the Now Hear This podcast festival is going down in New York City, this September, um, and the lineup includes live podcasts from my friends uh, Ryback and Pat Buck. Pat Buck's been on the podcast before. Colt Cabana, who's been on the podcast before. The three of us are the wrestling shows. They're doing live shows at the Now Hear This Festival. Uh, there's other great shows that are going to be there too, like How Did This Get Made, Comedy Bang Bang, The Flop House, Doughboy, and almost 20 other shows are all going to be doing live podcasts from this festival, and the best news is that one ticket gets you access to all 25 live shows throughout the weekend, and 
the first 100 people to use our offer code, which is Roberts at checkout, save 20 bucks. That's right. You get the weekend ticket and you save 20 bucks. I will be doing the show on Sunday. So if you want to get the day ticket, if you're just going for my show, get a Sunday pass. But what I would do, I mean, it's just so fun. It's going down uh, in New York City. You go, you get, get the weekend pass and just hang out. Once you get the weekend pass, you can go to any of the shows all weekend, as many as you want. There's no limit. There's no punch card. Go see everyone. Get it. Get it. It's at nowhearthisfest.com. Go to nowhearthisfest.com. It's going down September 8th through the 10th in New York City. See great podcasts. Meet the host. Make some new friends. It's how you build a community. Nowhearthisfest.com. Enter code Roberts at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off a three-day pass. That's nowhearthisfest.com. Uh, promo code Roberts to get 20 bucks off that ticket. And I look forward to seeing you there. I, I don't know who my guest will be just yet, but uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, I have a, have a great guest and we do a live interview and it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody that's in attendance. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I try to do. That's what the live events are all about is having fun. And we'll talk about uh, people and their ability to have fun in the state of wrestling because the the audience became a big part of of this week not so much SummerSlam but coming off of SummerSlam the audience has become a a controversial figure in the world of WWE so we'll talk about that I had an amazing time as you can probably imagine uh, not only getting to do a really cool spot for at the SummerSlam kickoff show which is just like like look you guys know if you've been listening loyally I my first live wrestling show the first time I saw WWE live was SummerSlam 92 in Wembley Stadium in England 25 years later I'm on the kickoff show outside of the Barclays Center in a blue suit holding a WWE microphone talking about how exciting this is I mean I can't I can't overstate how big of a deal it was like I used to sit around like fantasizing at just the thought of holding a WWE microphone in an official capacity and to be able to do that this year at both Wrestlemania and SummerSlam everything after this is icing you know everything after this is icing so I mean it was so cool to be a part of SummerSlam that way and honestly I thought TakeOver Brooklyn 3 was not only the show of the weekend, but maybe the best takeover since TakeOver Brooklyn won. Top to bottom, just a fantastic show. I love doing the pre-show for that. Number one, because I got to sit on the panel. Because every match had a story and a reason for being and something to get into. And the guests that were coming on from NXT's past, you know, doing it with Corey Graves. I haven't gotten to do a panel with Corey Graves, and I love him. And getting to do it with Lita. That's the first time I've done a panel with Lita. And, you know, Hall of Famer isn't, you know, I was talking about overstatements, is an understatement for Lita. Just incredible. And I really, really like doing it. Uh, but Big E and Neville and Baron Corbin and all these dudes coming on uh, was just a lot of fun and kind of amazing to be a part of. So I thank uh, 
everybody for tuning in and the WWE for having me. It was so much fun. Uh, and it was it was really interesting watching SummerSlam. A lot of celebrities backstage at SummerSlam. Macaulay Culkin and all his brothers were there. Our old pal Skylar Aston was backstage at SummerSlam. Seth Green was there. Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton was back there. Uh, Juice from Sons of Anarchy was back there. Uh, uh, Bam Bam Baklava was back there. Action Bronson. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people were, were buzzing about The Undertaker being in Brooklyn. He was there. Undertaker, I believe, was backstage. So, you know, I, he was obviously not there in a, in a wrestling capacity. But a lot of people there to be a part of, of SummerSlam. The only the only bigger part, and, and I want to talk about, you know, we live in the age of the, of the super fight. And in the state of wrestling, we'll talk about John Jones and what he did and how it affects Brock Lesnar. But this weekend coming up is, of course, the Mayweather-McGregor. Super fight, the matchup of the century, and I don't know who you guys are picking. Me personally, I'm I'm gonna go with Mayweather, but it's the biggest fight that I've heard about in the last 20 years. And if you're looking to cash in your spot, your sports knowledge, MyBookie.ag is offering up to a hundred percent signing bonus on your first deposit. Listen to this: with MyBookie, you don't have to go to Vegas for great sports betting or ask around at CD bars to find a guy that knows a guy. My guy is mybookie.ag. It's online sports betting made easy and they accept your bets anywhere, anytime. They even offer live in-game betting to bring the action anywhere you go. Trust me when I say these guys are the best and uh, uh, I don't see myself using any other sports book. Uh, Bet the fight. Bet any game, college or pro. MyBookie.ag makes it easy to sign up and even easier to play. They have some of the fastest payout times in the business with 48-hour processing. And right now, for our listeners, you can head over to MyBookie.ag and use the promo code SAMROBERTS, one word, S-A-M-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. The promo code is SAMROBERTS for a bonus of up to... 100% on your first deposit. Amazing and unbeatable. Expert or rookie, you got to check out my bookie. See, that rhymes. Win some money on the fight today. Makes it even more entertaining to watch. Uh, speaking of entertaining, it's time for me to entertain you guys with the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Woo! So you talk about that Mayweather-McGregor fight this weekend, and I think that uh, most of us fans will be watching because we love a spectacle. That's why we watch wrestling, right? But even a bigger spectacle was the potential fight between John Jones and Brock Lesnar, which now looks more and more likely like it's not going to happen. I talked about this. I was on Wade Keller's podcast this week. It's over on Podcast One. Uh, I love Wade Keller, and I would recommend checking out his podcast. Uh, but I was on this week, and I recommend the show that I was on even more because we got into a lot of stuff that was going down this week. But uh, I was talking uh, to Wade Keller about John Jones getting popped for steroids. You know, we found out this week that he was popped. He came back positive. They haven't done anything officially. They haven't stripped him of his title yet, but they're talking about the fact that if it doesn't come back as a false positive or something, which which it almost definitely will not come back as a false positive. He could be suspended for years. His his MMA career realistically could be over 
right now. Which means that all this talk of Brock Lesnar leaving the WWE for UFC, I would think, goes out the window. I don't think that Brock Lesnar goes back to the UFC unless it's for a super fight, for a money fight. And right now, UFC doesn't have anybody except for John Jones that would fight Brock Lesnar. Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar are not going to fight. There's over a 100-pound weight difference between the two of them. It's not going to happen. Conor McGregor's not going to fight heavyweight. You know, he's, he's, he's not, he'd have to gain a person. He's not going to do that. So that won't work. The only conceivable way they get out of this is if a couple of years go by and they do a WWE match with Jon Jones and Brock Lesnar, which, you know, much stranger things have happened, but it won't be the same. That won't be the money fight because it's a WWE match. It's entertainment. It's not supposedly real competition competition, if that makes sense, and an MMA fight would have been. So I would suspect that this even more cements that Brock Lesnar will be sticking around the WWE. By the way, I told you guys. I told you he wasn't going to lose at SummerSlam. I told you it was all a red herring. All the rumors, all the Brock Lesnar's going to leave, setting it up as a fatal four-way, all of it was just to make it seem like Brock Lesnar is not going to win this match. I thought from the beginning he would, even before, like if John Jones were still around. I still think if that fight had happened, Vince McMahon would have been a part of promoting it. Brock Lesnar would have gone in as a WWE superstar because it's worth more money to Vince McMahon that way. Um, but so, yeah, I don't I don't think that that is going to happen anymore. And it's unfortunate. Anyone who's an MMA fan knows that Jon Jones' fights are about as entertaining and interesting, whatever word you want to use. MMA fans probably don't use the word entertaining, but that's what it is at the end of the day. They're, he's, he's about as good as it gets as far as MMA. So it's a shame to see that wasted. And that's what it is. It's a total waste. And it's a shame that we won't get to see, in all likelihood, a Brock Lesnar-John Jones MMA fight. It would have been really fun. It would have been interesting. It would have been, you know, just living in the age of, of the super fight is a fun place to be right now. And uh, this may have been the best fight, you know. Mayweather-Pacquiao was not a good fight. It was a spectacle but once you actually sat down and watched the thing, it was boring. There's a good chance that Mayweather-McGregor is not going to be a great boxing match. But John Jones versus Brock Lesnar in a UFC cage would have been a great fight. So, you know, regardless, it could have lasted 30 seconds. It still would have been fun to watch, so it's unfortunate. Uh, speaking of fun to watch, kids in Brooklyn were having a good time this weekend, huh? The beach ball crew? So... That was uh, that was that was the uh, uh, the story coming out of Brooklyn. Is the, the the SummerSlam crowd, especially the night after Raw, got very very rowdy. Started doing the wave, started chanting weird things, and then eventually brought out the beach balls. The beach balls were a little bit out of control on Monday. I think one popped up on Sunday, maybe one popped up on Tuesday at SmackDown. They were a little out of control on Monday. Um, and look. As an individual, would I pull out a beach ball at a WWE show? No. I work there. You know, it's ridiculous. But even if I didn't work there, no. I would not pull out a a beach ball at a WWE show. I would watch a WWE show. I think it's silly. That said, you can't get mad at the audience 
for getting bored with the show. You can't get mad at the audience for trying to take over the show even. I, you can have crappy people, right? You can have people that suck. But I, I live by the rule that you can't sit there and say, well, that was a bad audience. You know, I don't think in the world of professional wrestling you can just blame the audience. Because people pay a lot of money to go to WWE shows. And it's really up to the performers and the writers, it's up to the WWE to put on a show that is going to distract you even if you go with the intention of disruption, which some people do. Even if you show up to that building with the intent to disrupt and take away from the show, they should be putting something on that gets you so lost in the show that you have to, you have to, uh, uh, you forget. So lost in the show that you forget that you were going to disrupt it. That you leave there with a deflated beach ball because you forgot you were going to blow up the beach ball and distract everybody because the show was so good because you got lost in it. You know, if you go to a comedy club and there's a heckler, then generally the rest of the audience gets mad at that heckler and that heckler gets thrown out and that's good. But if most of the audience is hecklers, then maybe you as a comedian need a little work. You know, maybe you need to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I win an audience over because it ain't happening. If you're at Showtime at the Apollo and everybody starts booing you off stage, they don't throw the audience out. A guy in clown makeup with a cane shows up on stage and pulls you off because you're not maintaining this audience. You're not keeping them. So I don't think anybody that says like, oh, they're throwing beach balls. Like, I don't think beach balls are, I don't think it's a good thing to have. And I read, I think on PW Insider, that WWE is banning beach balls and pool stuff from the audiences. And I think that's good. You know, I don't think there needs to be noodle kadoodles and beach chairs being thrown around the audience. That's insane. And even beach balls. Like, I don't, like, stuff doesn't need to get thrown around in the audience. Wrestling is dangerous enough, and you don't need any distractions that could cause a potential injury. And I love, you know, Cesaro ripping up a, a beach ball. And, you know, it was weird on Monday with John Cena acknowledging it, but I don't have a problem with people acknowledging it. You know, you, you, you adapt to the scenario of what's actually happening. If you keep following the script, that's why people have beach balls. Because you're not actually in the moment. You're not reacting to the crowd. You're just following a script that maybe doesn't work like you thought it was going to work. And so people get bored. Because that's all it is. It's the same reason why people act up in school. Because you're bored. Same reason why people do mischief anywhere. Same reason why people do graffiti. Like, because you're bored. You know? And if you're paying a ticket for a company with the word entertainment in the title, you can't blame the audience as a whole. Now, if you're at a show and one guy pulls out a beach ball and the rest of the audience starts booing him, well then, it's that one guy's fault. But if you're at a show and you pull out a beach ball and everybody goes, oh, cool, beach ball time, and start throwing it around and doing the wave and whatnot, then guess what? If it's the whole audience, then you're going to have to blame the show. I mean, it goes back to a, a founding principle of human behavior. If you're, if you're sitting there and everybody in the room is pointing at you and being like, you know what? You're an idiot. Then guess what? You're probably an idiot. You're not, no, the rest of, all of you are idiots, not me. That's never true. But 
If you're sitting in a room and one guy points at you and says, you know what, you're an idiot, and then everybody else in the room goes, whoa, what are you talking about? I like Sam. Then guess what? That guy's an idiot. He was wrong. You know, it, 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 that's just the way things work. If everybody's doing it, everybody's not wrong, usually. Usually. There's exceptions to everything. But so I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the audience for pulling out beach balls and, and getting distracted. I'm not mad at all. And maybe they'd had a couple more drinks than usual. Maybe whatever. I don't know. You can make any excuse you want. But I'm not mad at the audience. I'm not mad at WWE for the idea of banning beach balls. But, you know, I, I, if, if it's not beach balls, it's just something else. They'll just do the wave more, you know, if it's not beach balls. It, I don't think they're banning – if they're banning beach balls, I don't think it's to it's to deal with this problem. I think it's just the idea of, oh, this could be potentially dangerous. Let's get rid of it, which is good. That's exactly what they should do. I'm, I'm 100% – all for it. So I don't, I you know, there was a lot going on on Raw. There was uh, not necessarily getting well met, uh, well responded to well. And I think the John Cena Roman Reigns segment was the one that really felt it. It was great to see the Miz get that spotlight shined on him because I thought his promo was excellent. But you know, I I don't. Uh, I my my take on John Cena and Roman Reigns is that they're different. When people boo John Cena and Roman Reigns, you know, a lot of the booing, I think, belongs to Roman Reigns. I think at this point, most people will admit, even if they pretend like they don't like John Cena, that he's really great. You know, it's tough to say that John Cena is not a great wrestler. You can't even say he buries people. You know, he just put over Nakamura. Has he buried some people? Yeah, I guess. But he's also not done that, you know? So... And, and he's had great matches with a lot of people. And you can credit the other people if you want, but that's not an honest thing to do. I think the Roman Reigns boos are honest. You know, I don't think Roman at the moment is suffering from yaboos anymore. John Cena, by the way, is also not, it's not yaboos happening to John Cena. Yaboos are when, you know, the initial reaction is, yeah, and then you remember and go boo. John Cena's boos are almost like tongue-in-cheek, like you get it, right? Like, we're doing what we do, and you do what you do. Roman Reigns is just getting boo-boos right now. That's why he comes out with a boo-boo face sometimes. He's just getting boo-boos. Um, and, you know, I, I I think that there is money in a John Cena-Roman Reigns match. But Roman Reigns has got to be real. Like, Roman Reigns has got to let some of that anger out. You know, you, you go back. One of the first podcasts that I did that really caught steam was the interview that Roman Reigns did that was published right after the Royal Rumble that he won, but was done right before the Royal Rumble that he won, where, you know, he was being pretty honest, but he was coming across like a like a villain. And I'm not saying this isn't a this isn't a hey turn Roman Reigns heel, but let Roman Reigns be Roman Reigns. He was on Twitter and Sports Illustrated did this video right? Where they're going around and they're asking people, why do you hate Roman Reigns? And it's a bunch of dudes, grown men, that are talking about why they hate Roman Reigns. And Roman quotes this video on Twitter. And he writes, just a question for the kids out there. When you grow up, do you want to be more like me or the guys in this video? And then the crying, laughing emojis. And what a response. Just disdain for the people that are taking time out to talk about uh, how Roman Reigns sucks. He's not sitting there going like, well, 
Our fans have freedom of speech and it's all good. He's sitting there going like, screw these guys, dorks. Who would, these guys suck. That's the guy that we kind of need to see on TV. You know, I wanted to see on Monday night, Roman step up to the plate when they started chanting, Undertaker. Roman Reigns should have grabbed that mic and said, yeah, I retired him. Just get that heat, you know? Because you could say, well, Roman Reigns is a good guy. But those lines are very, very blurred. The fact that you have Roman Reigns retiring The Undertaker and then stealing his line and saying, this is my yard, that's not Roman Reigns having the torch passed to him. That's Roman Reigns being a part of a hostile takeover. So, you know, I think that Roman Reigns needs to, that needs to be owned. That needs to be entirely owned. And John Cena was in full goofball mode for sure on Monday night. Um, you know, I hope it was on purpose. I hope that there, I, and I think it was, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that John Cena would just, you know, kind of brush it off and be like, whatever, I'm John Cena, I can do whatever I want. I think that there's a reason he's doing that. I think that you always have to give a guy like John Cena the benefit of a doubt. He's earned it at this point. Um, and too often in this world of, of wrestling, we don't give the, the benefit of a doubt. If something, you know, isn't exactly right right now, we act like, you know, the, like the sky is falling. But I would, I would, I'm, I'm fine with believing that John Cena was doing what John Cena was doing on purpose on Monday. It was annoying. You know, it, it wasn't, you don't want to see a guy goofing. Oh, I want to see him taking The Miz more seriously. I definitely want to see him taking Roman Reigns more seriously. But it's up to Roman Reigns to, to grab that bull by the horns. It's up to Roman Reigns to tell John Cena that he has to be taken seriously. And I think the Roman Reigns-John Cena story is happening. You know, I don't think it's happening immediately. And I personally don't think No Mercy is the place for it. As far as I can see, No Mercy should probably be just about a one-match show. You know, put all your stars on it. Have John Cena do something. Have, you know, Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins defend the tag titles against somebody. Of course, have all your stars there. But really, John Cena versus Roman Reigns is such a marquee match. Don't distract from the Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar match with that match. You know, and I think that, that John Cena and Roman Reigns need to take some time. I think, theoretically, John Cena versus Roman Reigns could be, storytelling-wise, on the level of The Rock versus John Cena. You know, I, I think that there could be real, you there can be real emotion put into that. I want to hear Roman Reigns trying to take John Cena's spot and John Cena not wanting to give it to him. John Cena is the guy. At the end of the day, like, like, don't worry about the hustle, loyalty, respect John Cena. Think about the John Cena that was doing all those raps. Think about the John Cena that was coming out during the Rock feud. Think about that John Cena and realize that John Cena is the guy to put Roman in his place. John Cena is the guy to call out Roman on everything that that fans call him out for. That's what John Cena's position is. He's the guy that can do that. And that's what we need to see in order for this match to really be all that this match, this Roman Reigns-John Cena match, can finally be. Roman Reigns coming in and saying, John Cena, you know, you got nothing I'm here to take this spot. Enough with your dumb wristbands. Enough with your you-can't-see-me nonsense. Go home. 
You want to come in, you want to act in the movies. It's really a repeat, but The Rock is being played by John Cena now, and John Cena is being played by Roman Reigns. And The Rock got the better of John Cena almost every night in that when they were when they were in the middle of that rivalry. And and I think that John Cena will for the most part get the better of Roman Reigns. But all it takes is that one moment. All it takes is the moment where John Cena calls out The Rock for having his promo written on his wrist and then it comes real. Then it becomes real. And The Rock is stuttering for the first time and it's real. And there is anger on his face and there's anger on John Cena's face and they are and you feel it and it's real. That is what potentially, I believe, is brewing under the surface of Roman Reigns and John Cena. They are fighting for the same spot. Roman Reigns is trying to take John Cena's spot, and John Cena is trying to hold on to it while still taking time off to do movies and stuff like that. That is the story, and I think that story can and will, hopefully, be told between those two guys. I would hope... Because every time I've said it, I end up seeing something on at not Sam on Twitter, some kind of thing where people are like, no, he's a bad guy. No, he's a bad guy. I would hope that after SummerSlam, looking at the Brock Lesnar-Braun Strowman match, that you guys are finally, anybody who wasn't, some of you already have, anybody that wasn't, everybody is finally ready to agree with me that Braun Strowman is a good guy. Braun Strowman is a baby face. He's a good guy. In the battle with Brock Lesnar, he is the good guy and has been a good guy for quite some time. Okay? He almost killed Roman Reigns and the fans are chanting, you deserve it at Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman is a good guy. Right now, Braun Strowman is everything I think WWE would like Roman Reigns to be. And I think Braun Strowman has the potential to be a real good guy. Braun Strowman has the potential to actually do a legit good guy turn and be a guy that the fans, kids included, cheer for. Same way Kane did it, you know? Kane came in as a bad, evil monster and then became a good guy, and it worked for a long time. I think Braun Strowman can be even better, personally. The way he moves, you know, I think the world of Braun Strowman, and I, 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 think it's, I think it's cool that this match is happening this soon. I don't know that the idea that Braun Strowman would become what Braun Strowman has become, I think that that's organic. I think that that's one of the more organic things that hap- that's happened in WWE in quite some time. And because of that, I think that that's why this match is happening right away. They're not like saving it for a WrestleMania or something because WrestleMania plans are already kind of done in advance. But, you know, I don't Braun's not going anywhere. You know, they can they can they can do this match now and it's no problem. I think Braun is still moving up. Braun has not hit his peak yet. And you know, all these matches, Braun Strowman Getting up from vehicular manslaughter after the ambulance match, that made Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman gets made all the time, and he got made again at SummerSlam. Braun Strowman got made again at SummerSlam coming out of that match. I mean, he's the guy that everybody was talking about. 
he's so so you know and i and i think he's gonna get made again in five weeks or whatever it is at no mercy it's it's it, this is his moment and i think he's gonna take this ball and run with it he's gonna be that guy that that he's he's grabbing those proverbial brass rings seemingly every week and it's really really working let's talk about the uh the new faces that popped up uh on on brands post SummerSlam. uh i so glad to see both Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Roode on SmackDown. SmackDown desperately needed Bobby Roode. Uh, I think he should be a bad guy, not a good guy. But that is a name that SmackDown needed. Raw, Raw has gotten a lot of star power, especially since the Superstar Shakeup. Like Raw has a, a lot more star power than SmackDown does. AJ and Bobby Roode are the guys that you and Nakamura are the guys that you now look at as SmackDown royalty. And honestly, it's great news for Nakamura because, I mean, look at Finn Balor. On any, on any, on any wrestling show, Finn Balor is a world championship contender. And the only reason he's not fighting for that universal title right now is just because that, that, that spot is so crowded. Think about all the people... That could be potential that you could look at believably as universal champion just right now on Monday Night Raw. Of course, Brock Lesnar, who's got the title, but the whole Fatal Four Way. You could have believed any one of them would win it. That's Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns. Add in Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Add in Finn Balor. You know, look, Bray Wyatt is still talked about in that scene, and he did pin Finn Balor. It's a stretch. But he is still talked about in that scene. And that's just off the top of my head. There's more. But that's eight guys right there. On SmackDown, you know, I you don't have you don't have those numbers. And so it's great news because it it launches Nakamura right to the top right away. And and Bobby Roode's got an amazing place to shine. As I said, I think a couple weeks ago, I don't agree with uh Enzo being on two oh five live. I guess what are you gonna do with him? But I just would have loved to see Enzo as a manager, you know. And it stinks because uh, I think he'd be a great, great manager. But at least he's got a spot. He showed up on 205 Live this week. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he adds to that show. The show definitely needs stuff added. And I got to tell you, Enzo lubing up and sliding out of that shark cage pretty much made my SummerSlam. I thought it was awesome. Um but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he adds to 205 Live. I think he needs a spot to be in, and 205 Live needs more star power. So I get why it's happening. You know, I just don't know. If, that's not really the style Enzo works. Enzo doesn't really wrestle like a, a 205 Live cruiserweight, right? He's more of a talker, but there's not that many talkers on 205 Live. So it's not... Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be watching. I'll, 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 I'll have my eye on it. Um, to me, the best show of the Brooklyn run, Raw, SmackDown, SummerSlam, was TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, and we talked about it earlier in the show, but I, as I'm sure you can guess, anybody that's listened to this podcast over the last, however long it's been, three years or so, almost three years, knows what an Adam Cole fan I am. I believe I've had him on the podcast at least three times. Once with the Young Bucks as the Bullet Club. Once in Reseda before a PWG show. 
And I think very early on, I think it was on the podcast, uh, as Ring of Honor champion, I had him on. And, you know, over I said three years ago that this guy is a WWE superstar in the making. This is the guy. This guy is the future. And I think NXT is the spot for him. You know, and, and, and I talked to, to Bobby Fish uh, a little bit over the weekend and uh, uh, and Kyle O'Reilly I got to say hey to uh, in Brooklyn. And those guys, the thing about it, and I, and I talked to Adam Cole a little bit in Brooklyn too, and the vibe that I get from those guys is that they could not be happier to be in the spots that they're in. And they're all ready to kind of refresh their careers. They're all ready to do something brand new. And I think NXT... Is go and the NXT fans are really going to be able to sink their teeth in and take ownership of all three of those guys, of of Bobby, uh, sorry, not Bobby Roode, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole are now going to get scooped up and owned by the NXT universe, and I think that, that that you need that in NXT. You need guys that you own. You know, when Finn Balor showed up, when Kevin Owens showed up, Sami Zayn, Hideo Itami, like all these guys had histories, but the NXT crowd owned them. They claimed them as their own. Bobby Roode, Nakamura, Drew uh, McIntyre, not so much because their 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 histories were in front of bigger crowds, were much richer. You know, they they had more mainstream to them. I think that's why. Anderson and Gallows and AJ Styles all showed up on the main roster first. Even Samoa Joe was not really owned. He was applauded by the NXT universe, but not really owned. You look at now, and I think now Samoa Joe has been cemented as a WWE superstar. But, you know, this history that he came to NXT with made him different. And it's been a while since the NXT main event scene was made up of guys that were truly owned by the NXT universe, and I think that's what we're going to see here. You know, I think that's what we're going to see with Adam Cole and the and the Ring of Honor crew. And I, I think Adam Cole's going to succeed on the main roster, but I, I think it, that right now it's important that we don't even think about the main roster for Adam Cole, for Bobby Fish, for Kyle O'Reilly. Like, let's enjoy this run that's going to happen in NXT. By the way, the guy that I would keep my eye on if I were you, and I've been right before, the guy that really gets me excited in NXT as of now is Andrade Cien Almas. And I wasn't kidding. You know, the last episode of NXT Insider before they canceled it, Kathy Kelly's YouTube show, I went on as a, as a stock analysis, whatever, telling you who would I buy and sell in NXT. And I bought stock in Cien Almas. Because I just, I love his look, I love his style, I love his gimmick. I think he is going to be money. I think Sienna Almas is going to end up being everything that they wanted Alberto Del Rio to be. You know, I, I think that, that I would have my eyes planted on him. And, and I was happy to see him get the victory over Gargano. I thought it was the right thing to do. I think Gargano can afford the loss and uh, is kind of okay being an underdog. Um, and Sienna Almas is just, he's just on this wave of coming back from not really having much going on over there. So, uh, I'm super happy for him, but that's what, like, that, that's what I'm looking at, right? Like, I'm super excited about Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. 
I'm super excited about Cien Almas. I'm super excited about Alistair Black. Super excited. Like we are honestly, I can't believe how well the authors of Pain are doing. The authors of Pain, you talk about a team that was kind of like when they first showed up, the NXT audience was scratching their heads a little bit about them. And they've now become somebody that the NXT crowd has really owned. Like, we love the Authors of Pain now. And Sanity is so great. I thought the switcheroo before the tag was made in that tag match was perfect. But now you're talking about NXT as a touring brand. You're talking about Sanity and the Authors of Pain and Andrade Cien Almas and Aleister Black and Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Like, that's a show that I want to buy tickets to. That's a roster that I want to buy tickets to. The NXT roster just fattened up a lot over the weekend. And it is going to be a good time to be a fan of NXT going forward. I I really, I think that we're in for a second wave. I think this is going to be a generation not dissimilar from the, the Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Hideo Itami, Sami Zayn generation. You know, we're, these, these guys are going to be big stars in WWE. They're going to carry NXT uh, uh, back to success that maybe they didn't have as much of. You know, Bobby Roode and Nakamura were great, but you didn't have the NXT product loyalty that you had in the Finn Balor as champion days. So um, I think we're going to get back there. And I think it's going to be really, really exciting to see. Speaking of exciting to see, don't forget to check out the Now Hear This podcast festival. I'll be there along with Pat Buck and Ryback and Colt Cabana. Uh, All great shows. All uh, uh, putting on shows individually. You buy one ticket, you get to see all the live shows. It really is a fun, fun deal. And it's going to make for an amazing day and an amazing weekend. So Google that Now Hear This Fest uh, and be a part of it here in New York City. Uh, don't forget to go to notsam.com slash merch. You want to pick up a, a t-shirt or anything from Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, you go there and keep your eye on the YouTube page, the Not Sam YouTube page, because we will have uh, our show from the Highline Ballroom posted. I just posted the interview we did with AJ Styles backstage at Madison Square Garden. Lots of great video going up there, and we'll see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.